is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning. It's really good to see you all. It's good to be back here and see you once again. It feels like I'm a bit like a bus, so you don't see me for months. Then I come along twice in a short space of time. So uh, sorry about that, this is the way the diaries uh, worked out, I guess. But it's uh, really good to see you all, and thank you for your uh, welcome. I'm here with Sarah and uh, our three kids, Lydia, Kezia and Ruben. And uh, all is quiet over there, so I'm guessing they've gone out to the kids' work, which is, which is great. So I think, is this probably the first time I've been here since Matt and Nadine have been here, isn't it, I think? It's good, isn't it? And you're all still here. It's good. It's going well then. <laughs> Excellent. And it's good to see some faces that I, I don't recognise, so I'm also looking forward to, uh, to getting to know you guys uh, if you're new here uh, as well. So I lead uh, Jubilee Church in Derby, as well as being part of the Christ Central team. And uh, back at home at the moment... We're going through a series on the life of David. And uh, if you know anything about David, you'll know that he is uh, an Old Testament king and uh, probably the most famous Old Testament king, I think you'll probably probably argue. And uh, we're going through looking at different uh, moments of his life. And uh, in the life of David, there's the good, the bad and the ugly. And there's some great times of intimacy with God and there's some great times of uh, advancing um, the kingdom and, uh, and bringing peace to that. But also there's some not so great times in the life of David as well and we're looking at the, uh, let's say, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, but this morning I want to look at a really good time with you in the life of David. I uh, looked at this a few weeks ago. Uh, back at home in Derby, and I thought this would be a great message, I think, for you guys as well. So I'm trusting that it is. And as I've spent time praying this week for you and for this morning, just feel this is uh, a message that God, our trust, has for you today. Uh, so if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to be turning to the book of 1 Samuel, please. And we're going to look at this, this morning at the, the accounts of David and Goliath. And David and Goliath is perhaps one of the most well-known Old Testament stories. It's great for kids, it's dramatic, it's exciting, it's inspiring, but it's not just for children. And uh, we could probably spend several weeks on this one episode in the life of David, but we don't have several weeks. We have about half an hour or thereabouts. Um, so we'll look at a few things together. And if you think, well, you just skip that, then yes, I probably have just skipped it because we're, uh, I've only got one session to look at it uh, on this occasion. But we're going to look at six things together, I hope. And uh, if you found 1 Samuel, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're not going to read all of it, but uh, the summary is that the Philistines, who are is- Israel's enemies, have got a champion fighter by the name of Goliath. And uh, the Israelite army and the Philistine army are, are gathered and they're assembled for war, looking at each other. The battle lines are drawn. There's this valley between them. And they've got a champion named Goliath, verse 4, who was from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. 
He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. You can imagine he's not a very pleasant sight, is he? Nine foot tall, you know, loads of armour on him. And um, he stands and shouts at the Israelite army. Why do you not come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And so he issues this challenge. And the Israelite army is there pretty terrified. We're told in verse 11 that on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were running scared. And so into the account of this battle, we have David. Verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, who at this point is not the king of Israel, He's been anointed, there's some argument as to whether he knows exactly what he's been anointed for, but clearly he knows that God is on him for something significant. But he's still looking after his dad's sheep. His brothers have gone off to fight. And verse 17, we're told this, Now Jesse, that's his dad, says to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to their commander, to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. And so David takes the supplies and heads off to the battle line to deliver his uh, brother's pat lunch and deliver these cheeses to, his, to their commanders. And he gets to hear about Goliath and the challenge that Goliath has issued to the Israelite army. And he responds to this in verse 26. David asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Clearly he's not impressed with Goliath. And so David is eventually taken to Saul, who's king. And uh, David speaks to him, and David says to him in verse 32, Let no one lose account, and no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. So your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out and fight this Philistine. You're only a boy, and he has been fighting from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So what happens is uh, he's sent off and uh, he goes to Goliath and he strikes him down and kills him using his sling that he's clearly used to and some stones that he takes, one shot, and Goliath is knocked down 
and David kills him and wins the battle for Israel. And I think there's some things that God has for us this morning, has for you this morning from this story. So let's pray and we'll see what some of those things are, okay? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for this account of David and Goliath. And as we spend a few moments this morning looking at this account together, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would be our teacher, you'd help us understand what we've read, and Holy Spirit, you would apply it to our lives. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there's a number of things we're going to look at now and uh, see what God has for you this morning from this story. So the first thing I want to look at is this. If you're taking notes, this is your first heading. Number one, David's obedience led to David's opportunity. David's obedience led to David's opportunity. So the story starts with David being asked to take some supplies up to his brothers. Take their pat lunch, if you like. And I love the detail of uh, him being asked to take ten cheeses to the commanders of his unit. That's fascinating. He's instructed to see how they're doing and to bring back some assurance to his father that they're doing okay. Do you notice the day doesn't start with a great command to prepare for battle. It starts with a cheese delivery. That's David's day. He thinks he's delivering his lunch, his lunch to his brothers. He's just doing what his father has asked him to do. But listen, David's obedience led to David's opportunity. So there's no discussion about joining the army. There's no discussion about, can you go up and can you sort out the Philistine enemy? because they're not doing so well, the army. Can you go and help them? There's nothing like that. His instructions are more to do with the safe delivery and appropriate storage temperature of cheese. Really, that's what he's told to do. He's told to take take lunch up to his brothers, the cheeses to their commanders. Do we find David replying that, well, well, Dad, this just sounds like a basic delivery instruction here. You know, you could get one of the servants to collect the cheeses, the lunch, the sandwiches, and take them up to the to my brothers. You know, I'm busy here. You could find David saying, well, you know what, Dad? I've been anointed now. I don't do cheese delivery. I don't do just taking the packed lunches up. Can't you get somebody else to do that? No, no. We find him being obedient just as he was before. And his obedience led to his opportunity. I've noticed sometimes over the years that when you ask people to do things and you ask them to do things that they might think is somehow below them, sometimes you don't always get a great response, particularly if they feel that God has spoken to them about something significant. Oh, no, no, I, I don't do just setting up the chairs now because God's spoken to me about whatever it might be. David could have said that. He said, well, I've been anointed now. Just to, you know, If you turn back a couple of pages, you'll see Samuel anointing him. He doesn't do that. Sometimes people think that if God has spoken to them about doing something significant, then anything else, unless it's that thing, isn't important. 
But the story of David here shows us that obedience leads to opportunity. And he just did what his father asked him to do. We don't know really whether David understood fully what his anointing was for at this stage in his life, but clearly he understood it as about something significant. Did he turn down the cheese delivery run? No. He was obedient to what he was asked to do. So this morning, friends, I want to encourage you in this. Don't just wait for the big thing. Be obedient in everything. Because it's then that God can use you. And you might find, just as David found on this very ordinary day as it started out being, that the everyday thing becomes the big thing. And that's what happened for David. The everyday thing of delivering lunch to his brothers became the big thing. His obedience led to his opportunity. I want to encourage you with that this morning. That's number one. Number two, we're going to look at life in a battle. Life in a battle. So we see in this account that David's brothers were in a battle. They were there ready to fight the Philistine army. And it wasn't they were like in something like a battle. It wasn't some pretend scenario. They were there ready, waiting to take on the Philistine army. Now, I don't want to make a big issue of it, but I do want to say this. If you are a Christian here this morning, if you love Jesus and are following him, then you are in a battle. It's not like a battle, it is a battle. Is that true? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I know that. (laughs) And for some of you right now, you're thinking, yeah, and it feels like a battle as well. That's because it is. Sometimes we can think, oh, the Christian life is like a battle. No, no, the Christian life is a battle. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that it feels like one sometimes. Because it is. And too often we forget that and wonder why life is hard or there are challenges to us that we find in our faith. It's because life's a battle. You have an enemy. David's brothers and the army knew who their enemy was. They weren't doing much about them, but... They knew who they were. They were facing them over the valley. They were there. They were looking at them. There was the Philistine army. They they knew who their enemy was. We can sometimes forget that we have an enemy. You're in a battle. You have an enemy who is out to defeat you, depress you, tempt you, cause you to doubt your gods. And he's active and he's doing his job even if you're not aware of it. He wants to draw you away from God, draw you away from your church family, draw you away from meeting with one another, from anything connected to glorifying Jesus. Satan wants to pull you away from that. Why? Because you're in a battle. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, primarily, you need to be aware of it. You need to be aware that you're you're in a battle. You see, wartime living is very different to peacetime living. I wouldn't dream of asking any of you to put up your hands if you've uh, lived through uh, a war or or a world war. (laughs) There's probably none of you that would be old enough for that. But 
I'm grateful that I haven't lived through the sort of war that my grandparents and my parents did. But I remember talking to my grandparents about living through the Second World War and what it was like. Wartime living was different. It really was. And even my parents, young as they were, would recount how wartime living is different to peacetime living. You're more focused on what you really need to do. You're more aware of what's really important to you. Some of the extraneous time-wasting activities of everyday life get put to one side, abandoned even, because really that's not so important because you're, li- in, you're living in a, in, in a wartime situation. We're living in a battle. We have an enemy. And whilst I'm not suggesting we should go around you know, looking for problems around every corner, nor should we become fearful about it either, we do need to be aware. So don't be scared of your enemy. Don't be fearful about him. But do be aware. And remember this, it's not an equal battle. It's not like you have the devil on one side of the, uh, the valley, if you like, and God on the other, and it's somehow some equal battle. It's not like the arm wrestling match you might have with a friend, and, you know, you know one wins and then the other wins, and it's a bit of an equal battle, and it's, you know, whoever gives up first. It's not an equal battle, is it? The devil is a created being. He has limited power for a limited period of time. But at the moment, we're in a battle with him. So let's live appropriately. Be aware that it's wartime living. Number three. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord your God is with you. You might remember a song of a similar title. Vinny remembers the song. Who'd like Vinny to sing it? Where I don't have the time, I'm really sorry. Maybe another occasion. You owe me there. <laughs> be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. We used to sing it, we might not sing it anymore, but it's just as true. And it was true for David in this moment here, and it's true for us as well. David was pretty bold. He knew that God was with him. In verse 32, he says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I'll do it, he says. He's just a boy. He's not old enough to be in the army himself. Clearly he's old enough to travel and deliver some lunch, but he's not old enough to fight. And yet he's the one being bold. He's the one being courageous. Whatever his age was, we can see him full of faith and confidence in himself. No, in his God. One of the commentators says this. He says, David's perception of Goliath was dominated by what he saw with his heart, not his eyes. That is a great quote. David's perception of Goliath was dominated by what he saw with his heart, not with his eyes. He saw Goliath the same as the rest of the army did. Nine foot tall, pretty menacing, covered in armour. It's not that he had poor eyesight and didn't see it. He thought, I'll just give it a go. He saw the same thing. But his perception was not to do with what he saw with his eyes, but what he saw with his heart. David knew that however big Goliath might be, his God was bigger. However strong Goliath might have been, his God was stronger. And it was bold of David to speak up. 
it was even more bold to go out and fight Goliath. And the story illustrates as well that while Saul was still technically king, he'd lost his anointing, he'd lost his leadership. And we see the beginning of the rise of David. It took some time. We can see that David's the one stepping out saying, God's going to do something here. Isn't it interesting? It should have been Saul that was leading out the Israelite army. It should have been Saul that was the front going, let's get this guy, take him down and fight the army. He wasn't. We're told in verse 11 that Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. But David is full of confidence and faith and courage and boldness. I wonder, is God calling you this morning to be full of faith and courage and confidence and boldness? I think he might be. Even as I've been looking at this again this week, I felt God challenge me on these things. So for us at home in Derby, I want Jubilee to be a church that is full of boldness, full of courage, taking great steps of faith to advance God's kingdom, not cowering in the corner at the sight of enemies. And I want the same for you here in Leicester as well. Do you want that for your church? Don't you want to be part of a church that's like that, full of faith and confidence and boldness, taking some grounds? See, I know there are many enemies that you will face. One of the greatest enemies you'll face is fear. You think, oh, we can't do it. Isn't Goliath so big? Yes, he's big, but who's bigger? God is. David saw it with his heart, not just his eyes. It's easy to get fearful. We're prone to be fearful. But David overcame this by looking at his God, not at his enemy. Be strong and courageous is the oft-repeated phrase to Joshua all those years before. It's the same phrase repeated to us today. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Let's keep pressing on. Number four, don't wear other people's armour. We didn't read it in the account, but when uh, David goes to Saul and says, I'll, I'll fight him, Saul gives him his armour. And think about it, Saul, we know, is quite a, a tall chap. We're told he was the tallest in the land. And David is still a boy. And so Saul gives him his armour. And you can imagine him sort of, you know, just drowning in it. Clearly can't fight in it. can barely walk in it. <laughs> and he has to take it off and say, no, I, I, I'm not going to use your armour. Don't wear other people's armour. It's a phrase we often use, isn't it? You think, I wonder why Saul gave it to him. Maybe he wanted to share in his glory. He could say, ha but he had my armour. We don't know. Maybe he was just being kind. But either way, once David tried it on, it was obvious it wasn't going to be any good to him at all. It wasn't his. It didn't fit. He had no experience wearing it. It wasn't going to help him at all. So what do people mean when they use the phrase, don't put on Saul's armour? They mean, don't try and be somebody else. Don't try and copy other people. And I guess we've all been guilty of this at times, haven't we? You Maybe you've looked at somebody you admire and you think, I want to be just like them. It's okay to admire people and think, oh, it's great what God's doing in them. But don't copy them. And as soon as you start to compare yourself to somebody else, you're onto a loser. Every single time. Because you will never be as good as they are at being them. Now listen to this. 
no one else will ever be as good as you are at being you. True, isn't it? No one else will ever be as good as you are at being you. So you need to learn to be comfortable and confident in who God has made you to be. Not try and be somebody else. Yes, you can learn from other people, and it's right that we do. But take time to find out who you are and who God has made you to be. And you can be the best you ever. Number five, let's keep going. Number five, know your stones. I've had kidney stones recently. I don't mean those sort of stones. (laughs) Know your stones. David, we're told, goes to the stream, picks some stones takes his sling, and that's how he fights Goliath. See, when it came to fighting Goliath, David went with what he knew. He went with what he was skilled with. He had probably used a slingshot before in attacking animals that had attacked his sheep he was looking after. So he knew how to use it. He was confident in it. It was his skill. It was his experience. God will use things in your past to help create your future. God will use things in your past to help create your future. And you might have thought that all your experiences were wasted. The situations you went through, even those that didn't work out quite as you hoped, the ice is wasted. No, nothing's wasted. God can use all things working together for his glory. And God wants you to grow in the gifts and the talents that he's given you. And he's given you some things he wants you to get better at and better in. To practice, to improve. So what are the stones that God has given you? David picked a few up from the stream, selected carefully, and knew that they'd work in taking down Goliath. They were his stones, literally. But what are the stones God has given to you? What are the gifts and talents that he's put in your life, in your heart? What has he given to you? You need to know your stones. Okay? And number six, know whose army you're in. Know whose army you're in. Bill Arnold says this about the passage. He says, David was motivated by his zeal for God and his faith in God's character. His conviction that God would defeat the Philistine aggressor made it possible for him to stand alone in the face of overwhelming odds. His conviction that God would defeat the Philistine aggressor made it possible for him to stand alone in the face of overwhelming odds. Odds. You see, David knew what Saul had forgotten. This was the army of the Lord. It wasn't just any old army. It wasn't just any old army taking on the Philistines. This was God's army. This was the army of the Lord. And it seems that Saul had forgotten this. They were terrified, we're told. Saul and his army were terrified. They'd forgotten whose army it really was. But David knew exactly whose army it was. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, 
but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Amen. You can just hear it, can't you? You know, you think, whoa! You know, you sort of spine-tingling stuff. This is David. He's a kid. He's not even in the army. And here's the one going out saying, who do you think you are, Goliath? You don't defiant this army. This is the army of the living gods. And this, you can think, whoa, maybe we're going to get somewhere now. He knew exactly whose army he was in. He knew exactly who was in control, who was in charge. And he knew that he wasn't fighting on his own behalf. He was coming in the name of the Lord. And this Philistine aggressor was not going to get away with what he said. David knew that the battle really wasn't his. It was God's. He knew exactly who the battle belonged to. And he was totally confident in his God. Well, I think your songs we used to sing, we used to sing one that talked about the battle belonging to the Lord, didn't we? Another one I could get you to sing, but it's all right. You're good for a while. <laughs> Maybe if we've got time at the end, we'll come back to it. Ministry time, Vinnie will be singing those two for us. Again, we used to sing it, but you know what? It's still true. The battle belongs to the Lord's. So, having said those things, those six points, maybe you wrote them down, David's obedience led to David's opportunity. We talked about life in a battle. We talked about being bold and strong. The Lord your God is with you. We talked about not wearing other people's armour. Knowing your stones And then finally, knowing whose army you're in. So what's our application this morning? How does it apply to you and to me this morning? Let me ask you a question. You can think about it for a moment. Who or what is your Goliath? Most likely what? Who or what is your Goliath this morning? You see, David didn't have to step up. There's no expectation on him to. He was just there delivering a packed lunch. He didn't have to step in. He chose to step up and he stepped out in faith. I wonder this morning, do you need to make a decision a choice to step up. Where is God calling you to make a stand like David did? Where do you need to step out in faith like David had to? And I'm sure for many of you this morning there will be things that you can think of right now that this applies to. And if you can't think of anything right now, then I can guarantee at some point in your life, you will do. It's not because I'm being negative or depressive, but life is like that, isn't it? There will be things that we face sometimes. So where do you need to make a decision to step up or to step out? 
But as well as it being an individual thing, I believe it has a corporate application as well for you as a church here in Leicester this morning. Let me ask you, where do you as a church need to step out in faith? Where do you as a people together need to say, we're going to step out in faith here? We're going to take on this enemy? Or we're going to say no to that situation? Or we're going to say, we've got an answer here because we're bringing the living God into this situation? Where is it for you as a church this morning that you need to step out in faith? Let me give you an example. Are you trusting God for salvation and growth? Are you believing God that he still wants to save people and add them into his kingdom and grow his church? Are you believing that? Are you going to be obedient to him? Have you got faith that God is going to do something and grow you? And I wonder, perhaps, if any doubt in that or questioning in that, maybe lack of faith for that, is your Goliath. Maybe it's that. Maybe there are other things that you face together. Whatever it is this morning, I know this to be true. We need to pull down that Goliath and take him up. You see, God wants King's Church Leicester to see people saved and added into his kingdom. Amen? Why? Because there's a whole city here that mostly doesn't know Jesus yet. And I know there are some great churches in the city. You are one of them. I know there are some others as well. I've got other friends here. I know there are other people seeking to work into this place. But listen, so are you. So I know you're not the only church who are going for this city. But let me tell you this. This city is of a significant size and there's a whole load of churches that are going for it and seeking to win people for Jesus. So it's not that you've got to do it on your own, but you do need to take the responsibility that God has given you and say, you know what, we are going to be part of this answer. We have got a part to play, you need to be saying. We've got a contribution to make into what God is doing here. You need to be a pumping thriving, vibrant, growing church that reaches this city and this area and beyond. That gets caught up in apostolic vision to reach the nations for Christ. We need you to be that here in Leicester. We need you to be that for Leicester and for the nations. God wants you to be that sort of church. And so we need to be pulling down any Goliath that would stand against that and get in the way. Goliaths of doubt or fear. Goliaths that think more of the prevailing culture than the God of the armies of Israel. So listen, this morning I believe it's time for some Goliaths to fall. And in a moment we're going to do something that uh, is going to be a prophetic picture of tearing down and fighting some Goliaths. Okay? So I'm telling you that now so you can get ready for it as we begin to come into a close. But just before we do that and before we pray together, maybe your Goliath isn't that. To make you personally now. Maybe your Goliath is that you haven't yet fully put your trust in God. 
Maybe you haven't yet fully decided to follow him. Maybe for you this morning, you're just here with a friend. There are many of you that I don't know. Maybe you've been coming for weeks. Maybe you know and love Jesus and been walking with him for years. Or maybe you're just looking in and thinking, I wonder what I believe. I wonder what it's all about. And you've been coming along thinking, I just want to find out a little bit more. And you've been doing that perhaps for a few weeks now. Or maybe you're here for the first time this morning. I don't know. Maybe you just showed up out of interest. You're thinking, well, what is all this talk of faith and God and battles and God doing things? Listen, this morning, it is possible for you to leave differently to how you came in. This morning, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, decided to follow him, to receive forgiveness for everything you've done wrong, and receive the new life that he offers you, this morning you can do that. Do you notice a theme that came out in the worship earlier, as we had some readings from Hosea, about God pursuing us, about being after us? Listen, this morning maybe God is pursuing you. And maybe you're thinking, oh, I've been running. <laughs> I've been trying to get away, but he's not going to let me go. Listen, God is pursuing you and he's after you and wants a relationship with you. And listen, has done everything, possible, everything needed to make it possible. Maybe for you this morning, that's you. Well, this morning you can put your hope and your trust in God. You can decide to follow Jesus and let him be Lord of your life. You can leave differently to how you came in. And if that's you, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and respond to God's invitation this morning that we heard about in the worship time as we sang and God spoke to us from Hosea as we talked about just now. We sang that song, didn't we, that talks about Jesus being alive. We said, Jesus is alive and he saves. Still true, isn't it? God loves you and is after you and wants you. Let's stand together, can we, as we close and we're going to pray. And after we've prayed, we're going to topple some Goliaths. Okay? Is that good? You up for that? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I'd like us firstly just to close our eyes. And I'm going to ask you, if this morning you would like to put your trust in Jesus and respond to what he has done for you and his invitation to you for a relationship with you. If this morning, maybe for the first time, or maybe for you that's something you've done previously but have wandered away from the Lord and you're thinking, no, no, today I want to come back and devote my life to Jesus once again. As we stand here, as we've got our eyes closed, I'd like to raise your hands. I'd like to pray for you. Just before we move on. If that's you this morning, you just raise your hand and we're going to pray in a moment. If that's any of you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are at work here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you are for us. 
And thank you that you've done everything necessary for our relationship with you. And if you put your hand up, you just pray this prayer after me in your heart. You just pray it quietly. I don't need to hear it. It's God that needs to hear it. You just repeat it after me in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for doing everything necessary for me to have a relationship with you. This morning I want to turn away from everything I've done wrong and put my trust and hope in you. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Now, Lord, I choose to make you the Lord of my life and put my trust and hope in you and you alone. Thank you that you promised always to be with me and never leave me. And today I decide to follow you. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I'd love to chat with you afterwards and there'll be others who can help you and have some literature that would help you and encourage you in that journey. So please do come and see me. But listen, before we finish, I believe that God wants to do some Goliath toppling this morning and we're going to finish with this. I want you to imagine for a moment what it is that you're facing in your life right now that you could describe as a Goliath. It might be something personal or as a family or it might be something as a church. And I want you to imagine you're walking with me down to the stream and we're going to pick up some stones together and in a moment we're going to imagine that we're taking our slingshot and we're going to fire it at this Goliath. So I'm trusting that you've got something in your mind thinking, yeah, that's what I need to battle with right now. Remember, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. So imagine you've taken your stones and you've got your slingshot, put it in your hand. If you're right-handed, you can hold it up. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. Then I'd like us to shout, Jesus, and imagine we're firing the stone. Okay? So I'm going to count, one, two, three, and I want us to shout, Jesus, And imagine that you're firing the stone at the Goliath that is before you, either personally or as a church. Is that okay? Do you understand? You ready? Got your sling? One. It's going to be loud, okay? One, two, three. Jesus! Lord God, thank you that this is your battle and not ours. Thank you, Lord, that just as you were David's Lord, just as he was obedient to you and followed you, just as you won that battle over Goliath. Thank you, Lord, that you are still in the business of winning battles. Thank you that you are still the God of the armies of Israel. And Lord, thank you that you are our God today and that this is your battle that we are in. Thank you that you haven't left us, that you never leave us and never will. And Lord, I pray today that this church here in Leicester, King's Church, 
Lord, will be a church that is full of your presence and your glory and your power and your advancing kingdom in this city and in the nation and the nations, Lord. Would you do it for your great glory? We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.